0: I want to encourage you to do that. We're going to begin reading this morning in verse 19. We're still in the first day of Jesus' resurrection. And you say, Pastor, why are you, why are you staying here so long? The message, where as we head these 40 days to Pentecost, the message is the same. And it must be important because it just says it over and over and over again. And so this morning as we're here, I just want you to open up your heart and figure out how do I get to this place? Because I've learned something this week and I I know it and the Lord just always reminds you. But what we talk about today, if you follow Jesus, you will be here. If you follow Jesus long enough, if you are a follower of Jesus, he seeks to get you to the place where you allow his Holy Spirit to indwell in you. That is what Calvary was about. A lot of people think that Calvary was just about uh, Jesus died for my sins so that I can be saved. That was part of it. But Jesus was always looking to Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would infill you and, be, and use you to spread his word throughout the world. And that's what God seeks to do in your life. He was always looking to Pentecost. He was always looking to you being sanctified and so this morning we're going to continue to talk about that so let's pray father we ask that you would just come and have your way this morning we ask that you would uh, just speak to us through your word as we enter into it we ask that you would come ultimately you are the one that convinces people and speaks to people I, i really have very little power in that at all i have no power to do that you do that and so we ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. I got ahead of myself. I was so excited I forgot to read first. Let's read. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his signed. and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw him. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed, and and you need to keep. He breathed on them and said, "Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven." Let's pray. Father, have Your way. Speak to us through Your Word. We ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. I have one more announcement that I forgot to give you this morning. I am struggling. The mother's daughter banquet is next, is it next Saturday? Next Saturday, okay? And, huh? May 5th. And you need to sign up for that. So they'll know how many people to have for that. And mothers and daughters and fathers and sons, no. Mothers and daughters, it's a mother-daughter banquet. But in order for them to have a correct number, you need to sign up for that today. Okay? Alright. Chapter 20 is this account, and we're, we're 19 verses into it. Uh, it, we've talked about Mary. Mary has seen Jesus. She's been in the garden. He has spoke to her. He hears his, he, he, she hears his voice, and she knows him immediately. Last week, we were with the two guys on the roads to Emmaus. They're traveling with him. They have no idea who he is because of the fear in their life, because they had hoped for something else. they They were all involved in what they had hoped for, and because of that, they cannot see him. He speaks, and they see him. They see him. And so, as we go back to this moment that we're at right now, they have... there's two different stories here. They think either where they were at was either between seven and 18 miles away from Jerusalem. It really doesn't matter because they made it back to Jerusalem. They had such an encounter with Jesus Christ that they said, we have to go tell the disciples what has happened. We have seen him, okay? And I don't know about you, but it wouldn't matter if it was 7 or 18 miles. It would be hard for me to make that trip. But they made it. And it was evening when they left. And so they're booking it back to Jerusalem. They have had such an experience with Jesus. He has made himself so real to them that they say, We can't wait till tomorrow. We have to tell them right now. And so they are there. They have told him what is going on. The disciples have heard Mary. Mary's already told them what's going on. They've heard these guys. But then all of a sudden, Jesus is in the room. And, and the word says that they were locked in there for fear of the Jews. Okay? It's a locked door. Jesus doesn't knock on the door. Jesus is just all of a sudden there. Okay? And this is, this is the awesome thing about resurrection. One day, we will be like this. People think, I'm going to have this resurrected body, and it's going to be just like this. God, I hope not. I, I want to be rid of this. What we hear and what we see in Scripture is that it's a really neat body, that it can come and go as it pleases, the door you never have to worry. in heaven you will not have to worry about a key you will not get to your mansion and go i forgot my key you just go through the door it doesn't you just and you're there jesus appears and disappears and door locked doors don't matter and it doesn't matter because he is this that we see what our resurrected body will be like by reading this right here another great thing the resurrected body and i've said this before can eat fish And I'm glad about that because I like fish and I think heaven's going to be better because we can eat fish. The resurrected body of Jesus eats fish, all right? And he eats some other stuff, but he eats. And so we're going to eat in heaven. I don't know much about heaven, but I know two things. I can come and go. I can be there and I cannot be there. I can go and come as I please. The locked door will not keep me out. I'm going to come see you, all right? And you can't keep me away. And I can eat. So anyway, I'll know those two things. But this is where they're at. And so they're in there, and it says that they are locked in the, in the room, that they are locked in there, and they are afraid. And one of the translations that I read said that they were absolutely gripped with fear. And that means that they were controlled by fear and the truth of the matter is they had good reason to be afraid everybody people were, and, and at times I've been kind of hard on the old disciples but when you really understand and hear what's going on in their life they had good reason to be afraid okay they came the the Jewish leaders came got Jesus and crucified him their leader okay if they can do that to Jesus who they have seen walk on water they have seen him raise the dead they have seen him heal the sick they have seen him feed people like a fast food restaurant i mean this guy they've seen him do that if they can get him and kill him they know that they can get them and kill them and so excuse me they are there and they've got the doors locked and the word says that they were get that they were gripped with fear and i just want this morning I want to just talk for just a moment about when we operate out of fear. And I want you to be very careful, and I want you to know that it is very easy to operate out of fear. It is easy to operate out of fear in our life. And, and there's this song, and it talks about fear. It is a liar. Man, that is a really good song, because fear is of Satan. God doesn't want us to be afraid. God's, if God's on our side, he, he, he says, every time he appears to people, he says, don't be afraid. When I'm around, don't be afraid. When something's going by, don't be afraid. I'm here, okay? If God is with us, who can be against us? We don't have anything to be afraid of. But these guys are feared. I mean, afraid. They're, they're feared. They're feared. Uh, they're afraid and feared. And then they're just, they're in a mess. And so they're like, we're just going to lock ourselves in. And they've got a good reason to be. And uh, because the guy who has been controlling all this stuff, the guy who they believe to be God, and they rightly believe so, the guy that they believe is in control of everything, he is gone. And they have a reason to be afraid. And when we operate out of fear, we have a tendency to just stop. Fear just shuts us down. You ever notice that? When you get afraid, you're just shut down. My wife has told me of a couple of times in her life when she was very afraid and she said I was so afraid that I could not move. I just couldn't move. And that's what fear does. We can't we're afraid to go forward. We don't want to go backward and we just want to we just want to stop and be safe. That's what happens when fear comes. We're just like if I stop, maybe if I stop nothing more will happen. If I I just stop right here, and fear gets us to where we don't want to go forward, we're afraid to go forward, and we're afraid of losing what we have. And when we operate out of fear, we, we don't move forward, and we just try to hang on to what we have. If you watch the stock markets, when fear starts playing into the markets, people don't buy anything anymore. They quit buying, and what do they do? They try to hold on to everything that they have. And everything just stops and usually when you try to hold on to everything you have, everything starts going backwards. And so these guys are operating out of fear. They're not moving forward and they're trying to hold on to what they have and the truth is they're going backwards. And in the midst of this, Mary comes in and says, Jesus is alive. And imagine how hard that is to believe. Jesus is alive. And then these guys who have walked in from Emmaus comes in and said, "Jesus is we've seen him too." And see, on the trip to Pentecost, we have to get to this point where we really believe that Jesus is God's son. That not only do we believe it, but our life is Around that it is hooked to that that everything we do is around that and these guys have have seen that and they believe that and they're trying to convince them of that and this and i'm going to tell you the disciples are going through this their faith is being tested and these were jesus closest followers and if jesus closest followers have to face a test like this I, as his follower, will have to pass and go through this test as well. God is going to test and see, Brian, do you really believe what this says? Now, do, do you preach it? Because you can, here's the deal, you can fake this kind of stuff. You can fake, Yeah, you can, yeah, you can fake it. People fake this stuff. I'm telling you, I'm not faking it. But you can and 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 but he's come to me and and if you are a follower he's going to ask you do you really believe this and and do you really and he's going to put this test in your life and so the disciples have seen this they've seen jesus crucified they've seen him killed and then they have these people over here telling them that he is alive and they have to decide what am i going to believe What am I going to believe? And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, at some time you have to look, and around your life it's going to look like, this is not what it looks like. This does not look good. This does not look like God's working in here. It does not look like God's hearing my prayers. It does not look like God's doing anything. It doesn't look like God's around anywhere. And somebody else is going to be standing by you and saying, I have seen him. And the question is, what am I going to do? And you say, well, that's a terrible place to be. It is. But I'm here to tell you this morning, I believe this, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's God being cruel or anything like that. I don't think it's God just out for funsies to see, because I'm going I'm to put a hard place in their life just to see what they do. That's not the way God is. But God is going to see if a true believer really believes what they say they believe. And I'm going to tell you this morning, I don't think that we can get to Pentecost any other way. And I'm going to tell you, in the world we live in, in the church church culture we live in, if you watch very much TV, they're going to say, all you've got to do is get saved and then God's going to change everything and everything's going to be great and he's going to fix everything and you're going to have two chickens in every pot and two garages in every car or two, whatever. Anyway, and, you're going, to, and everything, you're going to have all the money you need and all you need to do is name it and claim it and everything's going to be great and nothing's ever going to go wrong again. I'm going to tell you, you go to Jesus' disciples one day after he's died, that is not where they're at. And I'm going to tell you, as I read through on through Acts, I don't see that. I'm just being honest with you here. I don't see that. Jesus tests those who say they love him. And I'm going to tell you, the walk with Jesus is the best way to live. But he's going to make sure you are who you say you are. And he's going to make sure that you believe what you say you believe. Because that is the only way to get to what he really, truly has for you. You can't just say, I believe this. You can't just come to church and fake it because you can do that. You can't just come. You can come up. Every, every one of these people up here could come up here and they could fake it. I could fake it. But he's in the deep, dark recesses of your life. At some time, you have to answer this question, do I really believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do I believe that he died for me? Do I believe that he is God of everything? And will I serve him no matter what? As we were studying in Sunday school this morning, the, the lesson was just went along with this. The, uh, the, the first century Christians... Christianity for them was not how many times they went to church on Sunday. Literally, in one of these towns where we were at, where we were talking about this week, literally, in, if you lived in one of these towns, this particular town, and you were a follower of Jesus Christ, once a year, you had to acknowledge that, you, that that Caesar was God. So once every year, they would come through and they would say, "Is Caesar God?" If you were a Christian, you had to either say, yes, Caesar is God, and you would live another year. Or you would have to say, no, Caesar is not God, I serve the living God, and you were going to die. It was life or death. And, and I want you to know that, that when we serve God, this is the relationship. It is a radical relationship. Relationship. It is a radical faith. It is not a little prayer that we say at the altar and then I'm saved and I don't have to worry about anything ever again. It is a radical life. It is a radical change and God tests those who say I want to be part of this. And this is where the disciples are because he's trying to get them from faith in a God that they can see to a faith in a God that they can't see and they don't always understand and that they will say, I know I can't see you, I don't understand you, I don't always know what's going on, but I'm going to follow you no matter what. And it's at that point that the Holy Spirit moves in and has control of their life and we see entire sanctification and that's what the goal is. That's what the goal is. Jesus' goal was not just to save us from our sins. Jesus' goal was to infill us so that we could have power to, work, to, to minister and to draw people into himself. That's the goal. And as we follow these guys, we see this. And I want you to know this morning that if you're in a place and if you follow Jesus long enough, you're going to end up in a place Or You say, I don't know if this is really working or not. I don't know if my faith has been put in something that I believe is really true. And and lots of times when we get there and we start to question, is this really real? I think we think, well, I'm in a bad place. I'm in a bad place here because I'm starting to question what, what I believe. I'm going to tell you what, that is not really that bad of a place to be. That's where these guys are. And Jesus is trying to take them to what he has for them, but in order to get to here, they have to go through this and really believe what they say they believe. And if you're there, it's not fun and it's not easy, but I want you to know this morning, you're not in a bad place, but you've got to keep going. You've got to keep on and keep believing to get to the place where you completely turn everything over to him and the Holy Spirit comes in and runs your life. So how do we get there? How do we do that? And what's the steps there? Well, the, the first thing I want, I want us to, to understand that there will be, if you are in church and you are a follower of God, there are going to be people around you who are in this spot, who are dealing with this God, I I know, I know, I've seen you work before. I know, and I've had an experience with you, but I'm just looking at my life right now, and it just doesn't seem like things are going right. God, are you there? Someone around you, someone here this morning is there. Someone in this room this morning is there. And I want you to know that if you're not there, you will be there, but some of you this morning are where Mary has been. This week in your life... God has made himself very real and very noticeable to you. And you are that person that says, God is real. I've seen him work. He did this in my life and he touched my friend and he did this and he saved me. And he, and he worked in my kid's life or he worked in my marriage's life and all this stuff. And God is that is that person. Or maybe you're the two guys on the road to Emmaus. We have heard God. We have seen God this week. I am going to tell you, if that is you, you need to tell somebody, because we are on this road together. The 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 church is not there. They used to be. Remember the old "Just Me and Jesus, Me and Jesus." I got a good thing going. You know, it's not me and Jesus; it's us and Jesus. I have a personal relationship with Jesus, but He seeks for us to go through this together. And it's an us and Jesus process. And he uses everybody to help me to get to where I need to be. And I want you to know, if you think you can get there by yourself, that is not biblical. That is not biblical. People say, all I need is my Bible and Jesus. (sighs) If you're on a stranded island by yourself, yes. Yes. You can make it. But I'm going to tell you, if you live around people, you're supposed to go through life with people. This is the disciples. And, and there's twelve, there's 11 of them now. And then there's Mary, and she comes in. And then there's these two other guys that are followers, but they're not in the disciples. So you've got like 14 people, and they're all going through together. And Jesus appeared to like 500 altogether before the whole thing was over. As he's trying to get them from this place of I have an encounter with Jesus to this place to where the Holy Spirit dwells within me. And as he gets there, it is a group process. You're part of it. I need you. You need me. Now we talked about it in Sunday school, boy, I hate to say it. Pastor really isn't all that important. And they were really, they really had caught on to this idea and it really hurt. But here's the deal. We need each other. We need each other. Imagine if you're all by yourself and you're going through this and you're like, I don't know. I don't know if God's really real or not. And nobody comes along. You don't have a Mary that comes along and says, you know what? I've seen him. I've heard him. I saw him. I have no doubt in my mind that he is real. You have no two friends that are on the road to Emmaus. Nobody comes along and says, we heard him. We walked with him. And when we broke bread together, we immediately knew who he was. He is alive. He is real. He is risen. But you just said in your, I don't know, and you're just trying to figure it out by yourself. I'm telling you what, if you're trying to figure it out by yourself, you're in a bad place, and shame on us as the church. Shame on us. If God's done something in your life, if God is doing something in your life, you need to tell somebody. You need to be coming alongside of someone and saying, Look, this is what God did. That's our job. We're we're here to encourage one another and to help each other along the way. And I'm going to tell you what, if you're having trouble, you need to ask somebody for help. I think people think, well, people, people ought to know that I need help. Maybe we should, but I'm telling you what, sometimes it's hard to know. My wife thinks I need to understand everything she thinks. And after... 30 years of marriage, she's pretty well figured out that that's not going to happen. So now she just says, hey, this is, this is what we need done. This is what I need. This is what, this is what needs to go on. And you should already know that, but you don't, so I'm going to help you along. And I should know it, but I don't. Help us come to someone and say, look, I'm having a hard time with this. And and I don't think there's anybody in this room that says, well, I'm sorry, you're just going to figure it out by yourself. I don't think there's anybody here. Now, you might get someone that says, you know what, I'm having a hard time too. Let's go find somebody to help us. And you may have to ask two or three people till you find someone that says, Jesus is real in my life. This is what he's done, and this is what he's doing. And we need to say that a lot in the church. This is what Jesus did for me, and don't and lots of times people like this is what jesus did 600 years ago we need to hear somebody say this is what jesus did for me this week and it's good to hear what jesus did then but it's also good to hear what he did now and god has called us to come alongside and encourage others in this today and mary and these two guys say "Look, look This is what Jesus has done. This is what he's doing. And in the midst of that, in the midst of that encouragement, who shows up? Jesus. And I believe, in my mind, that it is in the midst of when the church comes alongside it and encourages that Jesus shows up. And we need to encourage people. We need to... Get in and say, you know, look. This is. I know you're going through a hard time. This is what Jesus did for me. We don't have to say this is what Jesus is going to do, or ha, we don't have to have the answers. Word says we're supposed to be a witness. I don't know what He's going to do in your life, but I know what He did in mine. And then Jesus shows up, and all of a sudden, they know what. They know it's Him. And this is what. This is what God just keeps telling me, and keeps telling me over and over and over and over again i will tell and show people who i am god does that we talked about it in sunday school and i didn't want to talk about it very much because it was going to ruin my sermon and i was really at the time we got done i was afraid some of them weren't going to stay anyway because their pastor is useless so no anyway but we are to say this is what god's done in my life that's what we're to say But God will be the one who reveals who he is. Mary, if you went to Mary and said, look, Jesus is alive and everything's going to be okay, she would have said, I, I, I just don't believe that. When did she believe? When Jesus revealed himself to her. The two guys on the road to Emmaus, they walked with Jesus for a long time and could not see or understand him. And all of a sudden, after they got past what they had hoped for and they got past that dream, all of a sudden they see him. These guys in the room do not believe. And then all of a sudden he shows up and they believe. God will reveal himself to people. If you have a loved one and you want someone to go and witness to them, that is great and that needs to happen. And then someone needs to go and encourage them and say, this is what's happened in my life. But Jesus is the one that will draw them unto himself. That's what you need to be praying for. But we need to be doing both those things. We need to be encouraging people, saying, this is what happened to me, this is what happened to me, this is what God's doing to me, because it's at that point that Jesus comes. And then while he's there, he is not to the place yet that the Holy Spirit is ready to come and indwell people. But at this time, he said, does something really neat here, and, and I, I tell you, I've, I have... Wrestled with this, and 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 then just a few years ago, it came clear to me. He says, "With that, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit.'" Now, for years, I was like, I thought the Holy Spirit was over here at Pentecost, and why is he? Why is if you read in the Old Testament, if you read in the Old Testament, any time that the Holy Spirit came. It was always said that the Holy Spirit would come upon them. The Holy Spirit was not dwelling in people. It would come upon the prophets, and, and they, they would speak. It would come upon people, and things would happen. It was always, it was, that's always the language. It would become upon them. And they are, it is not time yet for them to receive the Holy Spirit inwardly like they did at Pentecost. But until then, Jesus is so good... He is so good. And he says, I'm going to give you what you need to get to what I've got for you down the road. And he breathes on them. And the Holy Spirit carries them and gets them and gives them enough belief to where they get down down the road, then the Holy Spirit can indwell them. I'm going to tell you what, this morning, I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I can tell you this. As a church, if God is doing something in your life, you need to be telling the people around you. You you need to be telling people, this is what God's doing. Because the Word says that in that encouragement, Jesus shows up. We need to be doing that. If you are in the place, and if you follow Jesus, you are going to be in that place. If you're in that place... I'm going to tell you this morning that God will give you what you need to get you to where he wants you to be on down the road. They had not received the infilling of the Holy Spirit yet. But God gave them what they needed to get to that place. And I want to encourage you this morning. And maybe this is just what I'm supposed to do this morning. I, I talked to Lance about having, we talked about whether we have a response this morning. And, I, and I, just, I just felt like I just now got my answer. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you. I want to tell you, God is working in my life, I know He's real. Uh, He spoke to me this week, this morning, as we were singing. I just want to bear witness that God spoke to me in a very real, real way. He was, I I just couldn't even speak if he was so strong on me. There was times I couldn't even sing. He He was just there. He was there. So I want to encourage you that way this morning. But I also want to encourage you that when you're there, And you will get there. Don't be afraid when you're there. Don't be afraid when you're in those places where you're like, what is going on? That's where the disciples were. What is going on? Everything we believed in, we don't even know if it's real now. If you serve God long enough, you will get there. Is this real? Don't be afraid there. Because God wants to meet you there. If you're there, call people in, have people encourage you, have people pray with you, call a group in of people and get around you. If you see somebody there, speak into their life. But the word says that when I'm there, that God will give me what I need to get to what he has for me down the road. And I'm going to tell you, it's the truth. It's the truth. And I'm going to tell you down the road might be way down the road. You say, "Pastor, you just sound like Johnny Raincloud." Sometimes down the road is a long way down the road. But I will tell you this this morning that God will give you what you need to get there and it's worth it. It's worth it this morning. I want to encourage you this morning. God calls us to go together. I'm so glad you're here this morning. I'm so glad to go through life with you. Cindy and I was talking about this actually yesterday. What a privilege it is to go through life with you guys. We are not called to go through life separately. We're called to go through life together, and the, and as we get through, as we get in and start digging in, this it gets it gets it gets worse. <laughs> it doesn't get worse. These disciples, you think they all got along? You think you could put twelve people together in a less than wonderful situation, and everybody's like, "Hey, buddy, glad you're here today." You don't think that sometime in there somebody's like Peter I remember when you denied Jesus well I remember when you well I remember you know don't you remember when I walked on water yeah and I remember when you sank oh well uh, you're ugly so you know you know you get 12 of these guys together they're not going to always get along But they got to the place to where they said, you know what? You know you don't see any of that here. You know that was going on. Jesus died. You denied him. I know. Thanks for reminding me. But but when we were there, you all ran away too. So, they're there. But you don't see that here. You know what they're thinking about? How do I get through this? How do, how, how do we get what God wants for us? Folks, we don't, even, we don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to be the best friends in the world. I, I think, and I may be wrong, I think there were disciples that may not even really liked each other. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the amen there but at some point they put that all aside and they said we want what Jesus wants folks that's what God has called us to that we come together and we say I don't have to agree on everything I don't have to agree with the way everything goes I want what Jesus wants and I want to go with you and I want to go with you that's what God's called us to. I want to encourage you this morning as a church. You have encouraged me today. i am tell you what, I have had a blessed day of church today. I could have left after worship and been fine, except God wanted me to give you a message today. Encourage one another, pray for one another, because that's where God meets us. And God will give you enough to get you to what he has for you on down the road. Let's stand. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the encouragement of your word. Father, we thank you that we get to go through life with each other. And Father, I pray that you would help us as this body in this town to model that. Father, you have called us at this time in history to be your church in Marshfield, Missouri. You didn't call anybody else. You called us. And you've called us to be the church here. And Father, I pray that we would be. And Father, I pray that we would just be about whatever you want to teach us. What do you want to show us? And I pray that each person in here would just want what you want. And Father, we pray that we would encourage each other And Father, your word says that when we do, that you come. And I pray that you would come and speak into our lives. Father, I thank you for speaking into my own life this morning. And I pray that you've done that elsewhere today. And we love you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read the prayer.